mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Today on American Glutton, I'm happy to welcome world-class athlete and author, Gabby Reese. Gabby shares her thoughts on parenting, health, and wellness, all told from her unique perspective. You can find her on Instagram, at Gabby Reese. Hi, Gabby Reese. It's Ethan Suplee. Welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Hi. I'm really excited to talk to you. I love how interested in health and fitness you are, but I really wanted to talk to you first about my shoe won't fit into the glass slipper and your ideas on women finding personal happiness. Because I think that for the most part, we are fed or marketed certain ideals that might not be genuine. And so then in trying to achieve them, we might be shooting outside of our own happiness in order to get some goal that could ultimately be meaningless to us. Does that make sense? It does. I think it's hard to get the chance to know what we individually think and feel, but it's hard to, you know, get the space to hone in on that and then also have enough experiences or try enough different environments to kind of wear some things to see how those feel too. So I think it's it's like a couple things happening simultaneously. For some reason, women, you know, have it all. Men never discuss this idea or wrestle with this idea. And I think that's an unrealistic and unfair thing to think about. I think you can have it all, whatever all means, but just probably not all at once. Oh, and are you saying you know, women have it all, meaning like 
they're capable they're getting, of anything. Well, no, no, of course they are. I mean, they're humans are capable of so much. I, I mean it more like somehow on the gender line, um, nobody says to a man like, you can, you know, you can have it all. And I think with women, maybe because it was skewed one way so intensely as far as like, okay, your biological responsibilities. I mean, going way back, right, between having children and having menstrual cycles, there's limitations that were put on us until there was feminine hygiene and birth control, right? Okay. And then, then it was like, oh, well, we, when I was a kid, there was an ad about like, uh, you know, she can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and, you know, never let you forget you're a man, like whatever that perfume was. <laughs> And, um, and I think those are all sides of ourselves if we choose it. Like some women, it's like, hey, they, they maybe are going to choose, they'd rather stay home with their family or some women are going to choose not to have a family. And, and I think all of that is good. I just think that sometimes we were told, um, oh, you can have it all. And, um, and I think that that's not, I think that's an unfair communication. I think, I think you can have versions of like, oh, I can be a professional person and have a family and be in a relationship. You can't be full force in all of those things all exactly at the same time. I don't think that that's a fair thing. And, and I think just encouraging people, but women to go, I want to have the courage to really figure out what excites me and makes me passionate. And then also have the opportunity to sort of explore what that looks like, which those two things are hard to do because you might have the ideas, but then you don't get to be in those environments, right? right? And so I think I had a good fortune of growing up in a very um, unstructured environment. So I didn't have a, a bunch of uh, preconceived protocols placed on me growing up. So when I became a, a young adult, I it didn't occur to me that I was supposed to do it a certain way. And so I think within that, it's hard because you're looking for a roadmap, but it's also better because you never feel like you're not doing it right. It feels more like an experiment. Right. And, but I mean, that's kind of nice because within, within the parameters of an experiment, you, you have the ability to choose what's working for you and, and get rid of what, yeah. what isn't. And I think that's what we all should be doing, male or female, just this idea of trying to quiet the external noise, whether it's put on us by our families or our culture or our society or religion or whatever it is. And try to really drill down on who am I and what ways do I want to contribute? Uh, what makes me feel comfortable? What could I get out of bed for? Um, and that, and that's like I said, it's hard to get that space um, and and push out those those sort of those hardwired because um, you know a lot of it was it's given to us right like it's given to us by our parents and our teachers and our churches and whatever. And then to find a time in your life when, and hopefully when you're young enough, right, so you can ask those questions and kind of experiment, it's tricky. It's it's hard to know, like, is that how I feel or is that what I was told to feel? And does that make me feel good or is that what I'm supposed to think? You know, it's all that. So I think the lucky thing for me was I, I just didn't grow up with that stuff. I, I had it, it. I mean, it was hard for different reasons. Because uh, I didn't necessarily have like the most um, structured family life, but it worked out also because I found also disciplined and structured environments that I chose that ultimately were healthy and led me to good places. So, you know, that's the other side is like sometimes to do anything, it takes a certain amount of 
routine and discipline and all these other things. So it's not like we can abandon structure and just be like, woo, how do I feel? But it's sort of saying, well, what areas do I think I really want to work hard at? And then and then creating that framework. And and isn't it part of it figuring out the structure for yourself? Like what structure yes. works? Because I, I, I agree, ultimately, I personally need structure. I just I just don't necessarily need somebody else to determine what that structure is. Well, that would be the ultimate, right? Like I have three daughters and if I could, if they could, as they grow, develop into full adults, if they could figure out what that is, that would really thrill me as a parent that they sort of say, hey, some stuff you said made sense. I'll take that. And now I'm going to ask my own questions and set up my own boundaries and the, and the system in which I'm going to accomplish that, not the system that's been placed on me and uh, figure out what really works for me. And, and um, you know, I think that's an ultimate because then all of a sudden, you know, I've heard this quote that like, when your external life reflects your internal self, um, maybe that is success Right. versus I made a lot of money or people recognize me or I had some power. It's like, no, if somehow that external life reflects me in any real way, who I am inside, the person I am, um, that's pretty great. Yeah. I have four daughters and uh, I think the, the idea of really wanting them to become their own people ha- has been the thing I've grappled with as a parent the most because, you know, I want them to become their own people, but at the same time, like I want my house to function in a certain way. And so kind of squeezing these two ideas together can be tricky at times. Yeah, that's an ass kicker. Yeah. Since you had what you talked about, like a not normal structure as a kid, has that made you want to have a more kind of standard or, or t- typical structured household with your kids? Like maybe uh, more of a routine that your kids are used to than you were necessarily? Well, I think I I implemented very early in my life as a young child, like I'm talking seven, eight, nine years old, um, sort of internal discipline. I always, in whichever small postage stamp of space, I created uh, some kind of order for myself. It's, I mean, it's total BS. It's like, you know, that's the whole thing about real adulthood is when we, when we can say, Hey, I'm not in control. Right. But when I was younger, I was looking interested to be tethered, you know, I was trying to be tethered to something. So I would create these sort of artificial structured environments, even if it was like, Oh, my bedroom or something. Right. And, um, so I think for my kids, um, my husband and I are, I think we're, there's elements to us that are very uh, structured just as who we are as people, right? We're both pretty disciplined. Our trading life is disciplined. We're in bed early. There's just certain things that exist living with us that's structured. Now within that, it's like I tell my girls, I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to teach you to control yourself. So I actually try to pull back on some level. It doesn't mean I don't put a bumper up and go, hey, I'm just reminding you um, about your schoolwork. And my, by the way, my kids are completely different. Like my middle daughter is very artistic and, uh, you know, school, it's like it doesn't occur to her, but she wants to 
play tennis in college. So when I remind her, I say, listen, this is based on the the goals that you have said you wanted. So I'm here just to remind you because it's, if you go to college to play sports, it's, you're a student, student athlete. So it, it, it doesn't matter how many hours you hit the tennis ball. If you're not managing the other side, which is part of the system, right? It's teaching our children that there's going to be stuff you don't want to do. And it's part of the system, navigate the system. Um, it's not telling them like, this is the greatest time in your life. Yeah, no school, high school, who likes high school, right? I mean, the three people. Um, and then my youngest daughter is like really rigid and, and almost, I need to like back her off and like tell her to go outside. So I think it's, it's harder when you don't try to create one rule governs all, um, besides like the basics of like, pick your stuff up, put your stuff in the dishwasher. Let's tell the truth. If we don't do that, there's going to be a consequence for that. You know, there's going to be basics, no matter who we all choose to become, your four daughters. Um, But is it more work to not force them to conform to the way you think they should do it and try to give them a little more room to figure out how they are going to do it? And that means failing as well. It is, but I think it's better than sending them out into the world and let, letting that out of underneath, not being underneath your roof the first time they're going to experience those opportunities. I think it's actually better to do a lot of stupid stuff if you can when you're at home. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of sending kids out into the world with no idea of failure or the potential for failure seems actually dangerous to me. Seems like as far as like some kind of moral decline, that's as like far down as I could ever posit we would get is this idea that we train our children to believe that everybody is going to have the same outcome no matter what and then send them out into the world to find out that that's a big lie. Yeah, or fix it for them or, you know, creating facades of perfection that then they just think, okay, as long as things appear to be a certain way, then it's good. It's like, you know, and it's funny because my husband and I've talked a lot about this. A lot of that is the parents not wanting things to be a bad reflection on them. And when your kid makes a mistake, right? And instead of going like, okay, wait a second, that's my ego you know, concerned with something that, uh, that's not about what this is. This is about like, Oh yeah. Did your kid make that mistake? Oh, I heard your kid did that. Yep. They did. You know, it's like, whatever that is, because as long as they can learn from that, I think the long run story on that is more important than us feeling like we're doing a good job and we're good parents in that moment. I think the arc on parenting and the story on parenting is about feeling really unsure most of the time. And then, and, but still kind of trying to work in that faith of I'm trying to help this person become the best version of themselves and believing that that's going to work out. Um, I think it's a really complex and difficult job and like, who do you nudge more? Who do you force? If that's such a thing, I even, you know, I've experienced that for myself with athletics. Like I have not forced my children. I force them to be active and I force them to, if they commit to something to do it, but 
they don't want to be engaged in an intense level of on sports, I'm like, great. I'm your mom. I'm not your coach. And I'm not here to force that. So sometimes I regret it because I see other parents where I'm like, that seems to be working, but I just don't know about the long story. Right. So I think parenting is about the long story, not, oh, it looked good. And um, they were recognized. And I look like such a good, smart parent. Most of the time, I think I'm like blowing it all the time. So I don't know. It's a, it's a hard thing. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky and hard. And you, but you, you with sports, you had none of that. You didn't have like a super gung ho parent that was cheerleading you. No, I barely had my, I remember when I came back and told my mother I was getting scholarship offers. I, I mean, I would, the joke running joke was it was all she could barely ask for like, for what, you know? Wow. No, which is, but see, my definition of success will be that not that, oh, um, it's like I use Andre Agassi as as an example. When you read his book, he says like, oh, the whole time he was miserable. For me as a parent, uh, it's great that you won a U.S. Open, but as me as a parent and what I'm wanting for my children, I wouldn't define that as success. Yeah, I I mean, my wife was emancipated and and left and had basically no actual responsible parents in the way that I'm a responsible parent from the time she was like 12 or 13 on, got a job and, you know, left high school at 14. And, and I, uh, had overly doting parents and didn't really get my 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 act together until I was much older. And when I look at our kids, I sometimes look at the middle kid who who there are really two middle kids, but the one that was the middle kid first and really recognize that she kind of got left alone on her own a little bit more and now is kind of the most independent and responsible. And and I just it really makes me question this kind of stuff a lot of like, should I just really take a step back um and and like not even help them you know because maybe even my help could be uh, you know altering where they wind up on their own oh i think about that too because both of my, you know both laird and i had versions of neglect laird had a really good mom but you know and we we're relatively what the world would call high functioning you know, I've been in a relationship for almost 24 years and, um, it, without it's certainly it's had it without it, you know, it's ups and downs. Um, but you know, pretty grown up behavior overall. And, um, you know, what is it benign neglect or something, but I don't know. I just don't know if that's happened to you that you're able to actually do that. And if you've been loved, um, I think you want to model that because I think that's actually probably the right way because at the end of the day, our job as parents is to be here for them and love them. Now, is it to fix it? Is it to forge the path for them? Is it to erase all their mistakes? Is it to prevent the mistakes? It's not. But I think if we love them, um, we save them a lot of time as adults because, you know, Laird and I, okay, we're working it out, but there's so many, there's things that like have made me very successful that I'm continually working on kind of getting rid of because it's, I'm living, it's like I'm playing a new game, playing by old rules. And that's the problem when we don't, 
you know, kind of love our children in that whole and complete way, then they're spending sort of unnecessary energy trying to bridge that gap, right? So I think it's just always the balance. And and by the way, you're, you're, you have four kids, you know, like with three, it's like, oh, work perfect with one. It's somehow like something else is going on. And it's just, I think they're, you know, we think we're so much in charge of it and so in control. And I, I actually think the deeper I am into parenting, I also recognize, and that's not not taking responsibility, but I also recognize how much of what they're about they came with. Yeah, and then they'll they'll figure it out in their own way, and that's who they're going to be. Yeah, and like they have, I mean, without oversimplifying it, because I believe everyone can create the life they want, but we all have sort of like believe callings and destinies. And I don't actually think it's possible for a lot of parents to really be able to objectively look at their children and think, wow, this kid, um, and some kids it's a little different, but it's like, oh, wow, they have a, like they're on a, they have a path or they know things about themselves that we don't know about them. And it's like trusting that too. It's like, you know, so it's all that. Cause I had that, I had an internal compass and I was going and nobody knew. And, um, I knew. And, and, uh, and so I think it's all, it's also, um, it's, it's, it's remembering that too. Yeah. I mean, really it's a macro version of what we're talking about with society where it's like, you can't just do a one size fits all. And we have to allow for people to be different and figure out what's right for them. Yeah. And, and I, I just feel like if we adhere to certain fundamental universal things like, you know, kindness is better or empathy is better than not telling the truth or, you know, as I love, you know, Jordan, I love this line Jordan Peterson talks about, which is, okay, you know what? The truth might be hard. It might be fuzzy. You have a truth and I have a different truth. How about this? Let's just not lie. That's pretty, that's pretty clear. Okay, cool. I can do that. Um, and then, and just kind of notice, I think when we go through life, and we notice like, oh, I'm having a strong reaction. What is that reaction? Oh, that's fear. Oh, what is this reaction? Oh, that's ego. I think these are things that if we can, you know, do these things and let's take care of ourselves and, you know, the option to get really drunk or not, let's maybe not. You know, it's like certain things, it's just going to be better if we do it a certain way. And after that, letting, allowing each other the space to execute what that looks like in our life, however that person wants to. So you as a professional athlete and a model and like a health guru now, like how how do you, how do you navigate that? Is it hard? Because I, I sometimes get in the weeds with people talking about diets when I, when I go like, you know, you don't have to like obesity is going to take a lot longer to kill you than starving yourself. Um, right. wherever you wind up that you feel good about, that's where you should be. Like, I'm not battling the people that are, you know, I would definitely have some argument with somebody saying healthy at any size. Like I, there, that can get really crazy, but also this idea that everybody has to conform to the, the body mass index can get real crazy. You know, I doubt that your husband matches up perfectly with the body mass index. Your husband's a big dude. Yeah. I mean, even me, I'm hundred between 175, 180 pounds. I'm six, three, like. You're way off it too then. 
Yeah. No, I think, well, this goes back to the, our outer life reflecting who we genuinely are, right? Like it's, 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 you know, listen, there's going to be like an average and then it's sort of saying, like, I have a daughter who is not even, she's just about six feet, but she weighs probably the same as me. Maybe she can be four to five pounds heavier. Her bones, like if we, if you just took us and took our bones, her bones probably weigh eight or nine pounds more than my bones, right? So it's like, I think that that was something uh, being very tall as a female that I learned very early, which is um, one size doesn't fit all. We're not, we're not going to fit in. And like, if I go to a clothing store, it's, it can be at times kind of funny because it's like, yeah, okay, none of this is for me. I can't even go into a regular shoe store. I have a size 12 foot. So I think it's also making peace with and celebrating um, like, we aren't all the same. And, um, it's really, again, goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is each of us individually, even though we are so similar in certain ways is just being our best self, not looking left or right or comparison. You know, you can appreciate other things about people or use them for inspiration and be like, wow, if they can do that, I, I could probably do something. But, but, um, Really just saying, okay, I'm going to be honest with myself. Am I being my best self? And by the way, I don't think any of us ever really are. It's, it, and so it's not about an unachievable goal, but it is about the opportunity that we wake up each day and we go, you know what? I could do something better today than I have. And that's it. Whether it's be kinder to somebody, tighten up my eating a little, spend a little more time moving. Um, you know, even sort of listening more, like with my kids, whatever that is, like we all know the things that we're, and just sort of say, hey, I'm going to keep, keep at it. it. And it isn't to to feel defeated that it's like, oh, I can never get there. You know, we're never going to get there. And that's the beauty. It's, but it's saying I can do something better and be a better version of myself today. And whether it's I'm 20 or 80, that's the case. And and as far as like size and stuff, that's just about feeling good, being responsible for your well-being so that you can react better in your everyday life. Yeah, I I have um, like a, a, a very uh, like a physical goal right now that's set entirely around vanity. But but there's a deeper reason for that. And that is that if I don't set some arbitrary goal. Yep. then I'm not working towards anything because just working towards nothing, I don't do. So I, I set some ridiculous or silly goal that I even find to be silly and, and just utterly vain. And so I work towards that. And I know that if I get there and when I get there, I'm going to set a new goal. Um, but uh, the idea isn't really that it's about that. It's just setting up that structure so that I'll work towards it. Uh, listen, at some point I used to joke and say, like, if you're talking to guys, when you're talking about training, you're like, you know, you'll have more sex. And if you're talking to women, you'll be like, your butt's going to be cuter. Like whatever, at a certain point, at some days, it's like, you can't even get complex and meaningful on all the reasons. Just be like, you'll be hotter. So you'll get laid more. And then some guys are like, Oh, okay. Now so that's why should you eat kale or walk extra around the block? Probably not, but 
if you want to talk about like cell function and like your organs, people sometimes are like, yo, that is too, you know, I can't get there right now where I am in my life. You know, um, you're going to sleep better. You'll have more energy. Okay. That I can handle. So I think it's, it's also knowing ourselves and going, what right now is going to prompt me to do it and do that. Great. And that's the thing. It's like there, nobody should tell another person, well, you know, you have to have really meaningful reasons. Yeah. Okay. Those are the ones that stay for a really long time. And that's part of the big story. But if what gets you from week to week sometimes is the shallow story, great. Yeah, I mean the shallow story. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the sub goals, right? The overall goal could be, yeah. I want to live longer and have a, a, a happier life, more filled with happiness than Correct. depression or whatever it is. And and right. and uh, it might be hard day to day to act on that. I, well, I also it, find that sometimes we, that seems so ongoing. Yeah, where if you can do something that's a little more like has some pow and punch to it. Great. And and the thing I can always say to people is, listen, if you're doing it for anyone other than yourself in the long, long run, except maybe like a kid or a grandkid, maybe that would keep you on track. Usually, though, it's got to be our own real reasons. Um, but, it, you know, from week to week, it could just be like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to reward myself with some really fun homemade dinner on a Saturday that someone's making my favorite ex. So for this entire week, I'm going to be really diligent about what I'm eating. Um, and people can say, oh, you shouldn't use food as a reward. But that's true. You shouldn't. However, what happens is if I can get you to string five days in a row of eating better, you will notice on a subconscious level first, kind of feel better, sleeping better, moods aren't so up and down, maybe elimination is better, whatever the things are. And then maybe that's what will get you to sort of incorporate those eating habits or whatever. So I, I sort of have been around it long enough to go, oh, there's a million ways to cut this up. And if someone says to you, this is the only way, um, well, I say this in general, when people talk in absolutes, I would be very careful. Yeah. Especially if there are absolutes being applied absolutely to all people. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, where are they in their life? What's going? Are they? Did they just get married? Did they just get fired? Did they just get divorced? How old are they? Did they have a kid move out? Did they just have a kid? You know, what's their chemistry? Are they depressed? Are they? You know, it's like who knows? So how do you just try to trigger them from where they're sitting? Just that's what it's about for me. How do you spark people where they're sitting, where they live, and say, "Hey, listen, you're special. You're worth it." What's it going to take and go from there and not, you know, sort of dictate to them? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You know, I think mostly people work on with good intentions, like somebody who is saying the only worthwhile diet is the keto diet. And maybe they're just trying to spark in whatever group they can, the, mm -hmm. the, the idea of starting the diet. And so from that point of view, I go, okay, yep. well, that's fair. But if you sell the keto diet to somebody who's going to, who's, who has a real tough time uh, uh, eating fat and should be on a, a higher carb diet, 
and, right. and they fail on the keto diet, and that's the and that's the best, the nay plus ultra diet that you've sold to them. What what what? How do you then get them to try another one? You know, I think it's if people are educated enough, I think it's about the experiment of understanding how your body works. So I learned this a long time ago from Paul Check, like 17, 18 years ago, where he said this, you take a week, you go 50-50, right? Like you go 50%. And when he says carbs, he means like sweet potatoes and vegetables. He doesn't mean like potato chips and whatever. And like animal protein, if you're not a vegan or a vegetarian, let's say. Okay. And then, you know, then go less less animal protein, more carbs. See how you feel. Are you tired? Does your stomach upset? How does it impact your sleep? So I think the bigger conversation is saying to people, first of all, if you actually could first get your blood work done first, that'd be pretty great because now you have a sense of you. And there's something really powerful about people seeing it. Like, oh, this is me in my chemistry. Hey, you're low here. You're high here. You're low here. That might also say why you're... uh, you know, you're not, uh, you don't have as much energy. So, okay. You know, it's like first getting a, a loose picture of who you really are and then saying, what do we know? Sugar's not great. Let's see where we're getting the sugar. Okay. So it's in our drinks. It's in some of these foods that you don't realize are being broken down into sugar in your body, like a bread or what have you, and, and start to give them information. And, and then it's about, I believe, especially if you're talking about the beginning, writing it down. Notice when you go for the cupcake, were you happy? Were you stressed out? Were you sad? So then what you're doing is you're connecting people to reconnecting them to themselves and how they use things like food, uh, these habits uh, to medicate to get, as we go through life because life is hard. And then it, it's sort of saying, okay, If this arises, could we substitute that habit for something that supports you? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And, and just kind of slowly getting them to customize their routines and habits to who they really are and giving them that power. Because all of a sudden, I think what happens is, let's say you feel sad or stressed and you grab the cupcake, you eat the cupcake, 30 seconds, three minutes, awesome, feel like crap, feel like a failure, beat yourself up. What if we got them to substitute the habit and then that's a mini victory? And so I also believe it's about people feeling like they're a little bit in charge, like they weren't spiraling, like, hey, I was feeling that way. And you know what? I didn't grab the cupcake. Instead, I called a person I know, or I have this backup snack that doesn't hammer me as much or whatever it is. Um, and, And kind of trying to do it also from an educational way, not just going, here's one set plan diet for you. I think that in the beginning, there's parts of that that are unfair. And so I think it's really about getting informed, start food journaling and making appointments. Listen, I always say with exercise and stuff, make it an appointment. Like every other appointment, you don't break the appointment unless like there's a death. And um, because it's the first thing to go, like, oh, I don't feel like it. I don't have time no go. It's written down. Usually better to build someone in that you have to then flake on um, because then you won't. And and then the food will come. Like it's a complex thing, but the food is, is really the number one. It's the number one. And the problem is it's not like drugs and alcohol where if we had an issue with it, we just wouldn't do it anymore. And so I think it's about loving ourselves. Um, and understanding how powerful the food is, because also you're now dealing with food science. So every time you go to the grocery store, it's rigged for all that. And so rather than... I mean, every time we go to, we drive down the street and get gas. In America, you cannot go anywhere without being confronted with cheap calories. And and it tastes good and it's geared to get, you know, hit your palate hard and leave quick and all these great things. And so it's not about... It's about recognizing it and going, oh, I recognize this. And I could see why I would be drawn to this. Now, what can I do? What system can I put in place to help fortify me um, to, have, to be less vulnerable to this? And, and, you know, even things like, oh, I can't eat that. You can eat whatever you want. I just don't. I choose not to. Right? And so then we take away that nature. Because the minute, like even for me, like Larry will say, oh, let's do it as fast. Guess what I'm thinking about only for the whole day? Food. Because I'm rebellious. Like people were rebellious. Don't look there. What? Don't look there. Yeah. Don't look there. There. You know, it's like, and so instead it's like taking away the power of it. And how do you do that? You write it down. You start to notice. You even have to notice who in your life is a bad influence, you know, and who, who by themselves is not able, they, they're in the thing and they want to bring everyone down with them. It's like, they might have to go for a while, you know, whatever. And so, but, but we have to, we have to participate 
it's, it won't happen for us. And for me, it's like, a, it is literally a daily practice. What was the transition like as far as nutrition goes from being, I mean, I don't know what the life of a model is like, but I imagine you're thinking about what you're eating a lot. And certainly as an athlete, you got to be thinking about what you're eating a lot. And then to, to now just be, you're not doing those things. I know you, you are within the world of health a lot, but like, was the impetus to maintain some level of physicality? How did you hold on to that? It was, it was, well, it was brutal in a different right way because I was trying to stay fit to compete in, you know, at Florida state. So I would come home from work and scrape off my makeup and go to the gym and bang iron. And so I, you know, inevitably I was already taller than just, there was like two girls in New York and thank God for them that were working. Otherwise I was already so big compared to everyone else. And then, and they'd be like, oh, you're so big. And then I got to a place where I was like, you know what? I'm going to be healthy. But if I show up in Tallahassee, I can't phone that in. I'm going to get my ass handed to me if I'm not in shape for real. And so I chose the thing that I knew I couldn't fake. Where like with modeling, I was like, okay, if I don't fit the clothes, they can stitch it up the back. And like, yeah, put more eyelashes on. Great. We're good. So I had already, I already knew I was like, I'm not going to try to fit into the system. I'm a part of the system. I was a part of fashion, but I already understood like, Hey, there's a lot you're not going to be able to do because you can't fit in the clothes and you're going to have to be cool with that. And, and it works out. That's the thing. And that's why I always say it goes back to still knowing who you are and what you really want. Because deep inside, I was so, I, I so was turned on by sports and, the girls in sports and and kind of that that bravado and robust confidence that they had and the hard work it entailed and that you you had to put in an honest day's work and i so gr- was grateful for fashion it was an incredible job really talented people artistic people but it, the fact that it was subjective that in itself, I was like, oh, I see the limitations here. Or at least in sports. It's like, hey, you might get B because someone's better than you. But chances are, if you work really hard, you will get better. And that is in your control. So there was just a bunch of things that um, I accepted at 18 or 19. I was like, okay, I get it. I accept it. And and that felt good. Yeah. The, the, the idea is so refreshing that it's it's almost a bizarre one to even try to really think about because it's an ideal, but not really doesn't seem like an innate idea to me that you could just go like, I'm going to do my own thing. I mean, I guess that's what we 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 get so excited about when we hear about rebels who are like, no, I did my own thing and it worked out, you know, because it's not doing your own thing. It isn't actually it's this. Because, like, I would say I'm not rebellious at all, which is probably not true. I, I had my 12-year-old daughter got in trouble the other day, and, and she mouthed off to somebody and and because someone was telling her what to do. And she's like my linear kid, and she said, I can't stand it when people tell me what to do. And I was like, oh, I so relate to that. <laughs> but I guess what my the bigger point on all of it is it's not about being a rebel. It's about listening to that voice inside. And you better be ready to work. Right. But, but 
I think it's hard for the voice inside to deviate from a path that is like being clearly laid out and whether it's being clearly laid out by what the majority of the people are doing or what's being sold to us through marketing as what the majority of the people should be doing or wearing or ideas. I, I always think of myself as having many internal voices and I'm constantly trying to pick the one that's going to get me to the uh, not utilitarian for everybody, but utilitarian in the sense that all those voices succeed the most. Does that make sense? It does. I think, I think that's a really good habit to be in. And I think once we can get enough years of that, I think it also has to be the thing that is still connected to our instinct because then we're, we're being human. Right. And sometimes you go, this isn't making sense. Um, but this is, it just feels like the way to go. And I've done this enough times and it's strong enough that I'm going to believe in this. Um, it's not about being foolhardy or foolish. I've never, you know, or no, going against societal norms just to go against. Not, yeah, also no, that's not like about a waste getting, of energy. It's right. like, okay, ooh, um, that's like obvious and, and, and sort of, I think it's silly. I think it's just like, oh, well, everyone likes that. I like this. It's like, okay, do you even know what you like? Like, that's the thing. And so that's why I say in a way I'm very not rebellious. And there's something sort of really straight and conventional about me. But I have always listened to myself. So if in that I seem rebellious, okay. But really, it's just that I had to trust myself at such an early age that I learned to uh, be willing to listen to that voice. And again, I've said it many times, but I've always been willing to always do the extra work because I believe to do it, to do anything, it, it just always takes extra. And so I think those two things I had side by side. And that was why it couldn't just be like, oh, I want to do that. And you think somehow miraculously it's showing up. No, it's scary. It's unknown. You're probably going to fail. Then you might succeed. It's like all of that. And, and as long as you think, okay, but I'm successful already because I'm listening to myself and trusting myself, you're good to go. And do you think that that willingness to do the extra work can be a can can become a habit or a mindset that is developed rather than being something you just happen to have been born with? I, I do. I think, listen, I see certain athletes and it's like, mm, they're kind of born with some of that stuff that they have. And I'm not including myself in that conversation. Um, I'm married to someone like that, where it's just like a very different gear that I just think no matter how much one of us trained, we just wouldn't have that. Like Laird's relationship with discomfort is like part of him. Um, it's like, if you watch, you know, Michael Jordan's the last dance, it's like, there's things in there that's like, yo, that's just the person. Um, however, I think we can develop certain skills that, um, really serve us in that extra in giving in working in that extra it's doing it blindly in the beginning, even when you don't want to, but embracing it and showing up for it in a real way and seeing where that takes you. And I think once people get that, it's a little bit like eating better. And then, you know, I call it those kind of 
suspended faith period from when people change their lifestyle to when they start to see a difference to so that then they keep going. There's this period where you just have to sort of trust the process. And, and then when you start to go, oh, you know what? Always doing extra, always doing the extra is always going to benefit me. And that doesn't mean the boss is always going to go, hey, good job. Or it's going to get reflected in the external world. It's you knowing you're doing it and you believing in that process and that your life will reflect that. It's just sometimes not as obvious and it's not as instantaneous. Yeah. I mean, some of the hardest, like, and this is like, maybe won't be seen by the boss. Sometimes I find I have these issues with it. It's not seen by the scale or the tape measure or whatever metric I'm using to judge that I'm on the right path with my body and physicality or my lifts or whatever it is. But it is knowing that by staying the course and being diligent and continuing, if I didn't get there today, I will get there tomorrow or I'll get there the day after that. There is a a little bit of a leap of faith within that. Um, yes. once well, I think you have, you have to, remember, to see results first though, to maybe make that leap. Well, or there's that moment where you go, okay, I'm going to make a change. And you, you are grown up enough in your mind to go, I know I'm going to make a lot of deposits before I can, before I can, I see something. And that's like planting a seed, right? You plant it. And then all of a sudden, you know, after a while you might see a sprout and that is life, right? Like that's nature. It hardly, I mean, okay, there are certain things that happen instantaneously in nature, but they're usually catastrophic. But when you're talking about growth and things blossoming and fruits bearing and all this, this takes time. And we are of nature. And so it's no different. And I, and the other thing is, is, is thinking about this when we can't, when we can't find the motivation to go forward into this extra work. This, this suspended faith period of time, what's the alternative? The alternative is, is no option, not doing it or giving up or uh, giving up on yourself or eating that thing, whatever that doesn't serve you. These aren't options. So really what you start to do is you start to limit, you're putting a self bumper on your own situation and saying, you know, I'm giving all this extra, but I'm not seeing the return but there's no option. Yeah. I, I, I look at, um, the, the kind of the dichotomy right now, and I don't, I, I won't pretend to know everything about these two girls. Cause I really don't. It's very, very peripherally that I have any knowledge of them at all. But like, I look at, um, Lizzo and Adele and Lizzo seems to be perfectly happy. And so good for her. Right. I'm happy for her. Like, she's awesome. I think uh, people should feel happy. So, and then I look at Adele and I think she just did something difficult and clearly she's happy with it. So good for her. Yep. You know, and, and neither one has to be, I don't see why anybody could be mad at either of those girls. They're completely different. They're going for totally different things, but as long as they're comfortable and they're happy and they're accomplishing what they want to be, I don't think we should put our morals or our ideas even of, of what is or necessarily should be 
quote unquote healthy or beautiful or whatever it is onto them. Right. Uh, well, I think it's an interesting fact. I always find it so fascinating how people have such strong opinions about any of that. Yeah. I'm always like, wow, you have some time. Right. Um, first of all, these are entertainers. They're not saying, hey, be like me and live like me. They're saying, hey, I have a gift and I'm going to share it with you. Enjoy it or not. If you don't like my stuff, which means how I look and it, what I choose to wear and whatever, then don't tune in. Um, I mean, people are so funny how they want to control the whole narrative. I can barely control myself. Um, so I, I think it, it's about appreciating all the ways it can, that we can be celebrated and, and that beauty and all of these things are, there's, there's so many different variations and ages and shapes and it's, it's, it's endless. And I think it's when we don't feel some sense of peace in our own lives because happiness is so kind of fleeting and comes and goes that we're so quick to be frustrated by what other people are doing because we really just don't want to look at ourselves. Right. And I think the minute we're like sitting with ourselves and go, Hey, you know what? I even know kind of the bad stuff about myself and I'm, I can sit with it. Then all of a sudden we're like, you know what? I can celebrate all these amazing other individual people around, around me. And if it's not my cup of tea, I'm just going to back out, you know, and, and I think that's okay. I think as long as, you know, my thing is as long as someone's not hurting themselves or others, um, then, you, you know, and the only fuzzy part for me sometimes is there is a new standard of beauty, which does um, entail a lot of altering. And yes. so the only thing is, because I do have daughters when they're very young and they start doing things that are permanent, that is, I do get a concern because I'm like, you're making choices based on a, an aesthetic definition of beauty at a time right now that it may change. And uh, now you're going to be stuck with it. Um, so that's the only thing sometimes I get a little bit like, whoa, you know? Yeah, it becomes more and more curious to me, too, living in California, which is like the, I believe, the the, the epicenter for that kind of yeah. stuff. and. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I think you have to be 18 to get a tattoo, but any kid can, you know, I'm hearing about kids getting uh, permanent physical alterations on their body, like whether okay. it's a boobs or nose or what. Yeah, and and I just go yeah. like, well, isn't that kind of like, first of all, I feel bad that any kid feels so poorly about their nose that they have to get an operation or they feel they have to. So that sucks. But then also you can't get a tattoo. Like, I don't know where, why we're drawing, why we're not saying these are very similar things. There are aesthetic oh. changes. Well, and by the way, also, like I just know from being considered strange for being tall, um, that punishment for my, in my youth um, was really important. And it's the same, like if let's say someone has a large nose and then they go through that time and they deal with that experience, but then they become an adult and they go, you know what, I'm choosing to change it. Great. However, I think to avoid what are some of our things that we have to navigate lessons learned before whatever our differences are, because that's every kid that ever has been born, yeah. right? Like nobody just sailed through. 
I mean, the, the person who pays differently is like the popular kid in high school who had the best moment of their life in high school. <laughs> it's all right? downhill you, from there. Right. You got those guys. You're like, well, that's, you know, that's kind of like your life. That's kind of your trip. So I just think it's, that's my, that's the only thing. And again, it just goes back to people being as healthy um, and full of, I think when the avatar feels better, it goes, still goes back to what I'm saying, which is I feel that overall it helps us respond better to all of the things we're trying to navigate in life. So work, relationships, if we choose to have children, each other, and just making that part easier because you feel pretty good most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I uh, had to get rid of cheat days and then cheat meals for two reasons. One, the idea of cheating on something really felt like a transgression that a transgression that would have me basically starting over on whatever diet I was doing. And then also I just started to feel crappy and not perform well the next day. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing is that's the key. Most people walking around that don't feel good, don't know what it feels like to feel good. And so if you can just get them to feel like, oh, when I eat X going down, it tastes good. But now I can feel the difference of how kind of crappy it makes me feel 20 minutes later. It sort of starts becoming not worth it, which helps with part of the addiction and part of the draw and all that stuff. But the problem is, is getting people to a place where they can actually, for themselves, go like, oh, wait a second. I'm, I get, I feel that difference when I eat this and eat that. And gosh, you know, how I feel is worth not eating it. Um, and that becomes a draw. But I think that that just takes a little bit of commitment. Right. Commitment and leading by example. Oh, yeah. Well, that's everything. Well, you don't talk about parenting. That's. That's, that's all of, it. That's of the, the deal. Game. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. Right. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and it was a real pleasure talking to you. Oh, well, thank you. And I, uh, I appreciate the topic. I think it's, it's so important. You know, it's so important for us all to have the, again, just that space and that reminder to, um, you know, we're, we're here to contribute. And, um, I think it's just about sort of, the best way we could do that is to just know who we really are and, and love that and be honest about the things we don't love and keep working on those and, you know, do the best you can each day. Yeah. And I, and I, I do, I do wonder, and I do get into this um, moral quagmire sometimes thinking about, I would never take what I think to be right for myself and apply it universally because i don't i don't believe that i can determine what is right for another person um that said i do also think or suspect that there are a host of people right now in america who are being inundated with subsidized corn subsidized beef really really cheap manufactured foods that are you know laced with uh, 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 fructose, high fructose corn syrup, and and there almost seems to be like an apathy where I th- I do wonder if what like exactly to your point of like people could feel better if they got rid of certain types of foods, and so 
I wouldn't say you need to do this or you should do this. I would just say, like, give it a shot and see how you feel. That's right. You and, know? And, and also start to the, the trick. The other trick is, to your point, it isn't really set up in the world out there unless you have a lot of extra money and you can make sure everything's organic and all of these things. It isn't really set up. No, it's hard. It's I, I actually to be successful. Yeah, so being lean is a privilege. Yes, and that's it. Shouldn't be, but that's where we're at. So I think it's really Im- important to start in for people to recognize. And when I say that, it's just to give themselves like um, kindness uh, in this because the landmine that they're navigating is the food landmine is pretty intense. So, right. And maybe just opening up the awareness to it is something to be navigated. It's no joke. Right. You can start looking around like, right. I had a friend, my wife's friend who was like, everybody just needs to eat pastured eggs. And I I said, what do you pay for pastured eggs? And she was like, I pay $18 a dozen. And I said, nobody, what are you talking about? Eggs are two bucks a dozen at the store. Why would any, who can afford that? That's like the queen saying, let them eat cake. With like life and death things. That's the thing we have to remember, the stress of trying to keep the lights on. They're not like, yeah, stuff your pastured eggs. You know, it's like, come on. So I think it's also remembering, uh, man, what people were there, what they have to contend with each day. Right. Yeah, the time to make a healthy meal is a real thing. And the wherewithal to buy the food to make the healthy meal is a real thing. So there are all these things that are playing a role in America becoming more and more obese. These are all factors that are real. It's not just willpower. No, it, at all. And the problem is, is also, uh, and I'll, I'll say this, is it's also, unfortunately, a col- corporate reflection on our value system that, um, you know, profit versus sort of the right of everyone to just eat decent food um, has has become, you know, more important. And so I think it's an interesting thing how we have cooked food became a commodity, right? So, you know, this is, so now you have a group of very innocent people who are doing the best they can and working hard for their families. And, um, you know, they're sort of getting smashed by this, you know, for sure. And then, yeah, it's just, crazy yeah all all of that said i do i do think it's possible i do think that i i, I don't i don't want to paint a it hopeless p- picture no, but i people. think it's not about being hopeless it's about going hey let's identify man like you have a you have a solid opponent respect the opponent right. get informed about the opponent and navigate the opponent yeah know your enemy that's Sun that's Sun. it that's it that's right that's the whole game it's the whole deal all right thank you gary All right. Take care. Aloha. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This question comes from Emily. So she says, I'm hearing a lot of people saying it's okay if you're just maintaining. It's okay if you gain a little weight. Just take care of yourself emotionally. 
And while I understand the instinct behind the sentiment, I think it's actually bumming me out a little bit emotionally. The thing is, it's not just working out that makes me really happy. It's feeling like I can make progress with a thing. So even though I can't go to my berries class that I love and do an online version instead, and I have to replace the treadmill with jump rope and dumbbells with body weight, so many things are different about my exercise routine. But do you think we really truly have to let go of progress because that just seems so sad. I mean, people have been known to transform their bodies without fancy gyms, trainers or classes, right? Right? And I suppose we have some things on our side, like more time to work out and greater control over food temptations without restaurants, parties, etc. Anyhow, I guess I'm trying to get some hope back in this area because I think having hope would help motivate me with keeping up on my workouts, and also in general would help me. I miss the discipline and so many other things that fall in line when I'm on a program. But I'm also trying to be realistic. Can we still make progress? Do we have to give up on fitness progress in the time of quarantine and just say, whatever you can do is fine and let yourself off the hook? I don't think I want to be let off the hook. What do you think and how do I set goals and structure? P.S. You probably picked up that I'm a woman and I'm not a bodybuilder, so I'm not talking about adding massive amounts of muscle. That only comes with a gym's heavy, heavy weights. More about leaning out a bit and maybe exploring other goals like agility, endurance, etc. What a great question, Emily. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad I read the whole thing. Um, yeah, we can absolutely still make progress. I happen to be on maintenance right now, but I happen to go on to this maintenance cycle a week before uh, quarantine and would have been on this maintenance cycle whether uh, the quarantine hit or not. I, I wouldn't let this quarantine get in my way of progress. If I had to do 500 push-ups a day to build my chest, then that's what I'm going to do. You can for sure make progress. And what I would suggest you do is just write down your goals and write down a plan to get to your goal and stick to that plan. You can listen. I don't think it's going to be easier right now with this excess time. I think this excess time is a total bummer and totally screwing me up. But that said, I have everything I'm going to do this week written down. I have all the food I'm going to eat this week written down. I have all the exercise I'm going to do this week written down. And if I wasn't on maintenance and I was on a cut, I would have that all written down and I would be doing it. And while it may be harder to gain muscle, I'm not gaining muscle right now. So that's not in my goal. I just want to retain muscle. Super easy to retain muscle. To gain muscle, yeah, might be a little harder. Not impossible. Totally not impossible. Um, without a gym, I wouldn't advocate for that because it is harder. But to lean out a little bit, yeah, that's no problem at all. You can, you're allowed outside. You're allowed to ride your bike. You're allowed to walk around. You're allowed to go for a run. I think that that is maybe a little healthier even than just doing cardio in your house. Like there's something the, about the sun and the development of vitamin D that is healthy and uh, fresh air is healthy. And, you know, I think looking around outside always makes me feel better than sitting in a room all day, even if I'm exercising. Yeah, you can make a goal, crush your goal. Get some progress going. Absolutely, you can make. Don't, don't let yourself off the hook if that doesn't feel good. 
Um, if you're really, really struggling and I, there are a lot of reasons I've had actually less free time since this whole thing has started, this quarantine has started than I had prior to it. I have all of my kids, three of my kids go to school in other states. They're all home now. They're all doing schooling at home, online. Yeah, it's all basically online. Zoom, I guess that's online too. So they're doing Zoom classes and then they're getting assignments. But like for the younger kids, I'm really the one who's got to diligently make sure they're doing it. The older kids who are in college, I kind of am not paying attention to the schoolwork that they're doing, but they're sitting there doing something for writing stuff down and reading stuff. And so there's a lot of that. My, my wife has a couple retail shops, which are, which are unfortunately closing. And so there's been a lot of trying to, and I know there's no uh, evictions right now, apparently, but we don't, we don't want to do that. So we're trying to move stuff out so that the shops can close and there's no issue with like, well, we, we, we could have had a month's free rent. We, we, we didn't opt to do that, but I've actually been busier and I'm still getting my workouts in every day. I'm eating the food I'm supposed to be eating that I've determined that is right for my maintenance period. Now, all that means is I don't gain weight and I don't lose muscle and I, Whatever your goal is, you can crush your goal right now. And and if if you've got a whole new set of problems that you weren't expecting and it's a little overwhelming to set a really strict goal, that's okay too. D- don't set a really strict goal. Get through this time and go back to and we'll hopefully get back to normal eventually and and then you can do it. I'm not saying everybody should be making massive progress right now, but I'm saying if you feel that it's a bummer that you're not making progress and you feel that you can, I say you can absolutely crush it. Emily, I love, I love your letter. I think, I think your note, what you wrote is, is so fantastic. It's got me fired up and, uh, and really makes me want to end my maintenance period early and start crushing my own goals. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.